What's up, campers, and welcome to episode three of the Camthropology podcast. Now, this episode is going to be a little bit of a beginner episode. We're going to be going over something that I call fart rich, which is a mechanism that I invented so that you can remember the major categories of camping and get your gear and stuff together, and hopefully it'll make your camping experience a little bit more enjoyable. Also for this episode, I highly recommend watching the video component for the first 10 minutes because what I'm gonna start doing is including clips of trips that I've been on between podcasts. They're really quick, but they're really fun and adds the video component. After 10 minutes, it's basically just me talking. Okay, so this episode is also gonna have a winter twist to it because we are getting into cold weather camping season. Got a lot of requests on winter camping setup, how to stay warm and gear that will help you do that. So we're gonna go over Fart Rich and we're gonna kind of gear it towards winter camping. And if you're gonna do this for summer camping, basically you just release and ex-nay all the winter gear that I'm gonna be mentioning. But first, if you're joining in, quick little recap from our last episode two with Alex. On episode two, me and Alex were talking about doing Burdu Canyon, and we actually ended up doing it. And it was a, an, ex, an experience that was like literally super stressful, but also super rewarding, both of us having our Subarus. And probably, I think he said, it's also the most technical trail that he's ever done. I'm gonna have the vlog for that trip up by the time this podcast is out. So check that out, real time. You can see how nervous I am through that whole video. It was super, like I said, rewarding, but I had, so we went from basically a yellow post in San Bernardino all the way to North BLM Joshua Tree via this trail called the Burdu Canyon Trail that goes into Joshua Tree. It's not one of the main entrances or exits. It's literally an off-road trail. I don't even know how long this trail is, but it took us about four hours because we were going super slow, being super cautious. We actually stopped in the middle to take like a little break because I feel like we were both so, now I wanna say like on edge or like high stressed, but like in a good way. It was really exciting and it's something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. Like I say in the vlog, I've actually done this trail halfway and turned around when the Subaru was first new. But something that was so funny, once we got to the end destination, which is North Joshua Tree BLM land, and we were going to sleep that night. We were both just like so amped. I think I drank a Rockstar that day and I like rarely drink energy drinks. I didn't go to sleep for like, I don't even think I slept the whole night. I barely slept. I think Ryan ended up coming out for one night and I literally probably like just napped. And then I had that feeling, you know if you spend the whole day at the beach and you kind of go to sleep and you feel like you're still at the beach, or if you're like, you don't know, like playing Tetris, you have like dreams of like playing Tetris and blocks coming down. I had a very similar experience when I was trying to go to sleep of like the the feeling, like literally like being clenched up going over rocks because we were in that mode for so long, like the entire day, I felt like that the entire night and I barely slept that night. Anyways, check it out. It's a really cool vlog. I really had a really fun time making it. Basically, it follows from the event where my iPhone cracked all the way to Ryan ended up coming out and bringing some fried chicken to North Joshua Tree BLM just for a one-nighter. Um, so check that out. Like I said, it should be out by the time this also comes out. Um, so that's a quick recap on what happened since then. Since then, I've been on a couple trips, actually. I went uh, after that weekend, I went to Idlewild area the campground called Herky Creek with the uh, fellows from South of the Eight podcast and their partners. That was super fun. Shout out <clears throat> to Joey and David. Um, 
Joey actually made some super bomb mole, but he made it with ground beef. I've never had it with ground beef. It was amazing. Um, so it was a really good trip out there. There was a little bit of water. The stream was trickling down a little bit and we got to play in the water, hang out, you know, drink beers, be under the stars. That's what we basically do when we're camping out there. And then since then, the next week I went on another trip, which was like a last minute trip. So it's actually for my Rumpel collab. I'm pretty sure if you've followed me on TikTok or Instagram, you've seen my Rumpel video rollout. I just did a quick little Dixon Lake trip. Um, Dixon Lake is in Escondido in San Diego, super close to my house. I love little quick one-nighters out there. I did live out there. Um, Kayla, nature in her eyes, actually ended up coming out because she was at work and she had a cancellation. So she ended up chilling out there for the morning, having coffee. Um, but yeah, did that rumple shoot. And then I actually went on a big trip this past weekend out to like Sawtooth Canyon area. Um, cause I have a buddy that's a climber and we had a couple people in my, in front of my homies that are friend groups that are getting into climbing and Sawtooth Canyon, I guess is like, I know nothing about climbing. Let me just put that disclaimer out there. We were at the bottom drinking beers, cheering these guys on, but Sawtooth Canyon, I guess is a outdoor rock climbing that is very similar to gym climbing, meaning like the difficulty levels are kind of the same well-traveled routes. Um, we actually pulled up in there Wednesday night and my buddy Louie and a couple people of you on Instagram and TikTok were like, you guys get there Wednesday night. You're going to have no problem finding a spot. You're going to be fine. So we actually roll up Wednesday night. My buddy Louie went out there first before us and then we're on our way. We're going through Barstow and he sends me a text. He's like, hey, there's one campsite left and it's between two other campsites that are occupied and we planned on having a good old time out there. So we get up there. I realized I was like, wow, this is like super close to the two campsites next to us. Luckily, when he said that, when I still had service, I downloaded some BLM maps across the road. So I found out that there are not only can you target shoot there, um, shotguns only, you can't shoot rifle and handgun out there, but you can shoot out there shotguns. And we also found a little nook that you can camp out there because it's BLM land. Um, we actually ended up finding a super dope little spot off the beaten path that was relatively far from like the next camper. There were a couple campers out there, but they were like more like RV campers. We were tent camping. Luckily we found that spot cause it ended up being perfect. We were able to like, you know, make noise, play music out there. This was that kind of camping trip. These are with some buddies that I've known for 20 plus years. Um, hadn't seen a couple of in a while, so I knew we were gonna get into it. Um, and it was extremely fun. That trip was amazing. I actually shot some content out there. Again, when this podcast comes out, I actually shot some uh, content for REI out there. So I had my first REI partnership that went live today, the day, the day that I'm recording this podcast. So I'm sure y'all have seen that. So I appreciate everyone interacting with that, showing that love. It's been super cool to work with REI and just all these brands, really. Um, I'm actually having another partnership rollout on Monday with Hoka, as you can see my hat here. These brands have been extremely fun and really cool to work with. Um, so yeah, that's what I've kind of been up to since episode two. That's been, what, three or four weeks? Camping almost every week, um, and it's been <laughs> extremely fun. We actually ended up getting this giant for this last trip with the homies. We called we called this we called this daddy's trip because some of my homies are also fathers. Um, so we went with just just daddy's trip. That's why it's called daddy's trip. Like we love camping with our partners, but we wanted just like a bonding, 
you know, catching up, you know, shooting the shit kind of trip. So we actually end up getting this Coleman. I think it's called the Montana something 10 person tent. Literally, we, It was all five of us in there and just stacked in there. I had my two, my double mattress. A buddy also has a double mattress, a, a queen mattress. And it was just a cool, <laughs> end up being like they call it like the sausage tent. It, it was super fun. Um, pretty cold out there, but we made it happen and we had a great time. Like I said, we climbed one day. We went to, back to Sawtooth. And the day we went back to Sawtooth, there was like no parking even. And which is pretty crazy. I read at Sawtooth, you are not supposed to camp outside of designated campsites and there were a bunch of people doing that so they also had camp hosts there so my buddy says he's never seen a camp host there i don't know if they were enforcing that i have no clue but when we went to climb we literally drove around looking for a spot and there are so many climbing spots out there again i say i'm not very familiar at all with climbing but out of all those people we were still able to find a climbing spot that was in my buddy's skill set level, both of them, <clears throat> the beginner ones, um, and got it done. Actually, one of my buddies who's never climbed a day in his life, shout out to BB, literally did this climb cold, never even been in a gym. He was just like rolled up. He's like, hey, I want to try it. Luckily, Louie was guiding. Um, shout out to Louie. Super great dude. Um, he's the one also, like I said, the reason why my audio sounds good on stuff, Louie actually showed me a lot of audio stuff, showed me Ableton. He's the one I do music with. Um, Bit Lost is him on Instagram if you ever see me tagging him, but he is also a great climber and I feel like an even better guide. We were able to get out there and just watching those guys climb. Louie was able to keep everybody safe, um, put them on a route that was in their skill set, teaching them um, just all around super dope leader, super dope guide. Um, so appreciate Louie being out there. I've camped with him quite a few times. You've probably seen him on some of my vlogs. His dog is Timber, so shout out to Timber. Um, but yeah, that was a, a super fun trip. Like I said, <laughs> I'll put some videos of that tent eventually. Um, when we rolled into camp, we didn't set up that 10-person tent. The first night, it was just three of us. It was me, Louie, and my buddy Tron, he's the one like DJing in the little in the videos, <laughs> DJing, DJing, quote unquote, slash cooking sausage. And we literally rolled up, <laughs> started drinking and didn't set up that 10 person tent until like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. And it was hilarious. By that time, we were not sober and I had never set this tent up before the tent was literally like still in the box. <laughs> so getting this tent set up was hilarious. I plan to put a little post on it. The audio is not great on it, but it's so funny that I'm going to try to post a little bit more content. I shot a lot of content on that trip. Just haven't really put it together. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what I've been up to. Let me get a quick sip right now real quick. Of course, we're going to sip on a Modelo for this podcast, and then we'll get into the cheers, everyone. If you're listening on the Saturday or not at work, having a beverage, we're going to get into fart rich. Um, and so I'm going to start structuring the podcast so that they're searchable, kind of like a class. Like I said, I never went to grad school. Um, all my professors are probably like disappointed, but I'm going to structure this like a class. So anything to title of the podcast plus 101 is going to be like beginner camping things. 102 is going to be a little bit more advanced camping, meaning you have a little bit more experience and we're going to get out to those dispersed sites. You're going to get out to BLM, you're going to go to places with less amenities, uh, no camp posts, a little bit out there, off the beaten path. So that's going to be like 102. 
103 is going to be like the guests that I have on. So like guest speakers, guest lectures that we can learn some stuff from someone else and their connection with the outdoors, whether they're a business, whether they're also a camper content creator, um, or just philosophies like that. That's going to be like 103, sorry, guest speakers. And then 104 is going to be like the philosophy of camping. I'm reading a book right now <clears throat> on an audiobook, actually reading, <laughs> listening to an audiobook called Shinrin Yoku about Shinrin Yoku which is a Japanese concept that means forest bathing and just looking at how the different benefits of being outside, how that's good for your cortisol levels, um, different smells, what it does to you and your person and your body, like essential oil kind of stuff, but not necessarily essential oils, but like the actual scents from the trees is extremely interesting. I'm also reading a book, audio, audioing a book <laughs> that's about, I forget what it's called, but I'll put it up there. I just got it. It's called, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically about the history of camping and their relationship to American culture and camping as far as what it means to camp and where camping kind of developed from like the Civil War, you know, to us people of color, how our relationship to the land is a lot different than, you know, white people's relationship to the land, our relationship to the land from people from Japan. Everybody relates to nature differently because of the paths and their past and paths growing up or being part of the land. So that's really interesting. That's going to be like more 104, the philosophy of camping. Um, always down for suggestions. If you guys want to hear something in particular, I'll do the research. So those, re those episodes are going to come out a little bit longer, a little bit later, because they're going to be a little bit longer too. But I also want to do some research for them and dial in those things because I really love looking at culture. As you all know, the camp anthropology comes from me being an anthropology major. So I love looking at camping and culture and just eat, sleep, and breathe it. Um, but yeah, let's get into something that I call fart rich. Um, it's funny, kind of a funny concept, quick little name that I came up with to remember the basic categories of camping and also the basic categories and gear within those categories. So fart rich is an acronym. I think it is. I forget. I think yeah, acronym <laughs> grammar spelling is not my forte and as funny as it is, I write poetry, but I was never good in the English class. So here's the, here's the fart rich acronym. F stands for food. A stands for ambiance. R stands for rest. T stands for tools. That's the fart. R, the other R is renewables. I is for information. C is for clothing. And H is for hygiene. And I did a couple TikTok videos on this and explained them really quick, but we're gonna go in depth with them today. If anybody has any questions as far as like actual gear, I'll mention some, but I know that I can't mention all my gear because I won't remember. But if you have any questions, let me know and we can kind of get into that in the next episode when I do some questions. All right, so let's hop straight into it. And I'm gonna go pretty deep into these from what I can remember. And I'm gonna go into basically car camping. So this setup, I feel like will also work if you're backpacking, but of course you're just gonna have different, lighter, smaller gear. This is gonna focus on car camping and I am gonna put a winter twist to them. And like I said, what I love about camping is it's such a subjective experience. So it all depends on your comfort levels and some people get cold really quick. Some people run warm. Some people don't need to eat a lot. Some people like to have like big spreads. So. I tried to make this very broad and it's very broad in general because the exercise you're gonna do as we go through each one of these um, categories is I want you to picture doing this at home and literally it's kind of a, it's kind of an exercise in mindfulness preparing for the campsite, especially if you've never been camping before. This is what you're gonna do. When we move through each category, picture what you're doing at home. 
So for example, food, picture yourself the act of eating and the act of making food and think of everything that you're using and those are the things that are gonna pop up that you're gonna want to bring camping. Now it's not gonna be everything, but some type of version of it. So for example, let's just get right into it. The F is food, okay? So food incorporates making food, also eating food and cleaning up food. Those are the, the categories in F of food that I'm looking at. So that's gonna be like your kitchen setup. It's gonna be like utensils, cutting boards, trash bags to clean up, a fire extinguisher even, you know, just in case something gets out of hand, um, a cooler, drinking water, and like I said, for everybody it's gonna be different. So some people might just have like a jet boil as far as their kitchen setup, and they're gonna be rehydrating food. And if you're just rehydrating food, some people, like if you're backpacking, just literally boil water, pour that water into the bag, heat it up, and eat it out of there. And then your trash is that bag, you roll it up and you take it with you. But some people are gonna want, you know, two burner stoves, a, a, a grill for charcoal, if charcoal and fire is allowed where you're at, um, utensils, you know, Obviously, we all want to use reusable utensils, reusable plates, things like that, cutting boards, knives. Some people can get away with one knife and use cut everything with like a butter knife, but then some people want like a chef's knife or something something to make things a little bit more easy. Um, I, keep, I put trash bags in this category too because when you're cooking, a lot of times you're opening packages, you have banana peels, you know, you have, you know, vegetable... <clears throat> um, waste and if you're composting you can save it to compost but you can also just throw them away in a trash can again i'm talking more this is a more of a 101 so you're at a campsite that has trash receptacles that you'll be able to utilize there in a 102 episode we'll go into a little bit more of what you do with all this stuff when you're dispersed camping and you don't have trash receptacles um and i can't again i, I can't because you're dealing with fire a lot of time when you're cooking whether you're reheating or whether you're using a jet boil um, or actually cooking, sometimes fire can happen. Um, for example, one time I was in Big Bear and super, super big user error on my part. We were cooking carne asada and I didn't realize that the hose for my single burner, not my Coleman, it was a single burner, was barely touching the flame on the backside. So it burned through the hose and I didn't see it because we were also using a really big pan that covered the whole thing. And all of a sudden flames just start shooting out of the side of the hose. And I mean, it was really scary at the time. I probably could have just turned off the gas, but like immediately whenever I cook, I have my fire extinguisher right next to me. So I literally just boom, fire extinguished it out, put it out and it was done and over. And like before I could even think because I was prepared, I knew that big flame means fire extinguisher. Um, so I keep a fire extinguisher and I consider that kitchen setup. And literally, <laughs> luckily I didn't spray it on the food. Like I tried to get it, but I don't know if I did it consciously. But the first thing my cousin says, he's like, oh dude, so glad you didn't get on the food. I was like, dang, me too. Cause that would have been a meal ruined. Um, but one thing I just, like I said, with my REI partnership, one thing I just picked up from REI is this fire blanket. I didn't realize it was only one use, single use but it's better than nothing, especially if you don't wanna carry around a fire extinguisher. And as long as you only use it one time, prior to that one time, this fire blanket doesn't expire. Um, 
and it won't have all that soot for, or the whatever the the fire um, retardant is in the fire extinguishers. You basically just throw it over multiple. You could do it over gas, um, electric. Um, I forget. There's. I think it might be all the categories of fire. You just throw it over and it'll put it out. Obviously, turn off the gas if it's a gas fire. But I wish it would have had that because I would have been able to save the food. I mean, it would have been fine either way because I didn't get it on the food. But by chance, I didn't put it on the food. Um, but yeah, so fire extinguisher, I consider coolers in this in this category too because you're going to be storing your food in a cooler. You're going to have to keep it cool somehow. Um, it's been a while, long time for me since I've used the cooler, since I've been using the fridge. But huge pro tip for a lot of people, especially first-time campers, if you are going to be using a cooler, you need to pre-chill your cooler, especially if you're going on a very long camp trip. I would say three to you know three plus days. That's a lot of times what the cooler companies don't tell you. When you buy these coolers, they say, oh, holds ice for a week. One, before they put the ice in there and they fill up their cooler with ice, they pre-chill the cooler. And if they are putting actual food or drinks in there, every single item that they put in there is also pre-chilled, meaning that it's been probably in the refrigerator for a few days, and then they put it into the cooler with the ice in there, in the cooler that's pre-chilled. Now, what do I mean by pre-chilling a cooler? <clears throat> you can do it a couple ways. Some people actually take a sacrificial bag of ice. So literally just buy a bag of ice, throw it in your cooler, um, twist the drain so the drain's closed, and then close up the cooler, secure it. Leave it in there for 24 hours before you start loading new ice and your cold, already cold beverages in there. That's going to give you the longest, most um, most, most uh, efficient ice usage, and your ice is going to last way longer. I also recommend, too, those Yeti ice things. Honestly, I said it on one of my TikToks. I thought they were kind of a scam, but I was like, let's try this out. Let's see what it is. Um, and if you line the bottom of the cooler with a pre-chilled cooler, line the bottom with frozen Yeti ice, pour new ice in on top of the pre-chilled frozen Yeti ice, literally your ice will freeze to those Yeti ice packs. Alex actually showed me this method of how he packs his. And dude, that last trip we went on, he had a solid ice thing, like ice and solid Yeti ice at the bottom of his cooler. And that works really well. And that's going to keep your ice retention really high for a long time. You also want to consider things like how often you're opening your cooler. That's why some people put two separate coolers, one for drinks, because we usually get drinks more often than we get food. So that's also an option. Have a cooler for drinks and a cooler for food. Another thing is if you can plan your meals, put the food that you're going to eat earlier in the trip, meaning first at the top of the cooler so you don't have to dig all the way, all the way to the bottom to the cooler because when you're digging to the bottom, that's more time the cooler is open. That's more coldness that's escaping. That's going to kill your ice retention. Um, so, yeah, that's a whole <clears throat> – coolers could be probably a whole episode. But let me, like I said, if there's anything you guys have more questions about in this, let me know, and we can go a little bit deeper into it. Um, but, yeah, for food, that's kind of the first category. Like I said, you, um, you're going to need a lot of other stuff too, like, you know, pots and pans. Uh, you don't have to go ultralight or, like, you know, MSRs. You know, some of their stuff is expensive. But if you're a first-time camper, just bring some stuff you have from home, you know. If you are allowed to have fires – Sometimes you can cook on a fire, you know, cook on coals, 
that could be a whole nother episode too. Cooking on a campfire is really fun, but it requires a lot of wood or charcoal um, or coals because what you want to do is you want to get the wood down to like coals and put the pan on top of that. I'm not so much of a fan of those like grates that pop over and then the flames just licking the pan. You totally can do that, but I feel like it's really hard to control that heat and you constantly have to be feeding the fire to do that. Um, but yeah, like I said, you can go from super complicated food to cooking. You know, we've done like shrimp and steak and stuff like that to keeping it really simple. You know, make some sandwiches at home, whether they're lunch meat sandwiches, <clears throat> you know, PBJ, tuna, and just bring them. You can even make stuff you don't have to heat up, you know, like like, like I said, PBJ, just keep them cool, eat them like that. Cold sandwiches, you know, vegetable trays, hummus, stuff that's really simple like that. Hell, I even sometimes, if I'm on a one-night trip or just going with some friends and it's, or even the first trip, dude, last time Ryan brought a cost, pizza from Costco. He cut up the pieces. I think I mentioned this in the last one. And he just heated it up. He heated it up on his scottle. And it, that pizza was better than when it's fresh out of Costco. You know, it doesn't have to be extremely complicated. So, for example, if you don't want to worry about food on your first couple trips, make it easy. And then once you get comfortable doing the other stuff with camping, then maybe start to branch out and do a little bit more with food. But keep it simple at first. Like I said, the more simple, the better. You're going to have a better time. You don't want to get overwhelmed on your first couple of trips camping because that's going to turn you off to it and it's not going to be fun. Um, get stuff you can heat up or eat cold. Simple as that. And then once we get into a one on two episode and we start talking about a little bit more in depth about cooking, probably we'll have Chef Kyle on. We can go into a little bit more um, gear stuff when it comes to like a whole cooking setup. But for now... Again, walk through the process of what you do at home when, you, when you're eating and cooking food and you be like, okay, yeah, I'm probably going to need that. You know, oh, I sit down at the table. I'm probably going to need napkins, you know, something like that. You know, after I'm done, where does the food go? I'm going to need a trash bag. And it even goes into like, you know, what am I going to do with if my dishes that are renewable? Take a cloth, you know, take some environmentally friendly soap and just wash them at the campsite. If there's water, like I said, I'm usually going for amenity campsites when I'm talking about this. Or honestly, if it's a one-night trip and you're new, what we do sometimes, we just throw all our dirty dishes into a trash bag and wash them when you get home. <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous, but sometimes we do that. Like, there's no shame in that. Or on the last night of the trip, we don't want to wash dishes, we throw them in a bag and do them when we get home. Worry about them later. But remember to do them. Don't let them sit in your car because then they get all moldy and smelly. That just happened and we found out the hard way. Um, so, yeah. That's food. Um, like I said, any more questions, let me know in the comments or on any TikTok or anything or Instagram. And the next category, again, this is a category that's important to me. A lot of people might disagree and think that this isn't important as a category, but I really like setting ambiance. That's what the A stands for in fart. <laughs> and so, again, one of the goals of this channel is to get people out camping, get them to enjoy being outdoors so that they can do it themselves or they'll have a better appreciation for the outdoors with the end goal. Hopefully more people will care about the environment and the outdoors and something that I've realized really early ambiance comes from just the vibe at camp. You know, one of the things that's really important to me is overhead lighting. As y'all know, not only am I a flasherholic, I love flashlights, but I also love overhead lighting or just lights in camp. Um, the What's lighting this podcast right now are my newest lights that I'm trying out. Eventually, I will do a post on them, um, but I want to try stuff out, obviously, before I tell you guys stuff. And even though I'm really excited about them, I want to make sure they work. So far, so good. But I really like the Lucy string lights. I really like above head lighting because a lot of times if you're a new camper or you're taking people that are camping that are new, 
I've mentioned this before. There's something very magical about like a group of campers surrounding a sitting on a table with like a single headlight that's like on like a gallon water, you know, and it's kind of illuminating the table and everybody's kind of like looking around for stuff. There's something very magical and special about that and pretty nostalgic. But the upgrade from that is having overhead lighting so that people don't even really have to have headlights. That is a trip in itself. Um, it blows people's minds when I take them camping the first time, but they actually don't realize it until the next time they go camping and they don't have that. It's a completely different experience. Like one of my buddies, shout out to Tron. He's always like, yo, man, we went camping with some other people. And he's like, dude, we couldn't see anything. You know, he's always jokes. He's like, where's the ice cream machine? <laughs> because when we camp, when he camps with me and me and Shelby, we have everything dialed so these little nuances of camping that you don't exp don't think about like lighting when you're out there and you have it it's it makes it just that much better so that's even games you know like making it fun for everybody out there bring some games along um if you're out there some people again this is another controversial thing music some people camp with music some people camp without music obviously if you're camping around other campers keep it down to a tone where basically if you walk away from your campsite you can't hear it Unless you're dispersed camping, I recommend keeping it at a good tone. And you'd be surprised when you're camping how far sound travels. But also, too, sometimes you just walk away from the campsite and you can't hear it. You just got to judge depending what kind of speaker you have. Um, also, too, ambiance. I, I put tables in ambiance. Having stuff to put, having places to put stuff when you're camping. We realized this on the last trip. The last camping trip, the daddy's trip that I was talking about, we literally had two my buddy has a setup that's very similar we had two uh of the mountaineering uh mountaineering tables that are huge i had my little bar table for the awning i had a blue table he had a, a small blue table like side table he had a side round table i had that king camp bamboo table we bamboo table and a four foot folding table <laughs> as the trip went on every time we brought out it we'd be like oh my god we're using all this table space we need another table we'd bring out another table and then shit would just find its way on there and it was just like <laughs> we're like how the hell are we using this much table space so but if you don't have it you're constantly moving stuff around holding stuff trying to get things everywhere and having tables i think really does create a vibe because you can also put lights in them you can also you know Things for like your beer, your food, sitting down, eating. It actually makes it for a really good experience. Speaking of beer, I'm talking a lot. I don't usually talk this much, so my, my throat gets a little dry. Um, But yeah, so tables in that and anything else for a vibe, you know. Sometimes, some people like to take, you know, essential oils, even though outdoors usually smells really good. Um, like I said, lighting, games, music. If you do yoga, you know take some yoga mats, uh, any activities you want to do, binoculars, um, things that are fun, especially if you have kids, like not necessarily board games, but you know, some coloring books. That's kind of like the ambiance area right there. Um, the next category we'll get into, and again, same exercise. So when you're chilling at home, what are things you like to do? Bring a book? Do you like to, you know, read? You know, you bring your laptop, I mean, I'm out there on my laptop sometimes that I camp so often. You know, some people are like, no laptops, no phones out there. Whatever camp style, whatever makes you feel happy, whatever's going to make you feel comfortable out there, go ahead and do it. Um, but obviously, we're all out there to try to enjoy the outdoors. But if you need to bring a laptop, if you need to work out there, ambiance. Get, get, just get comfortable. Do whatever's going to make you feel comfortable to have, that you're going to have a good time and want to come back again. Um, 
again, the next category we're rolling into is rest. Um, and I was talking to Miranda goes outside for a little bit and she was really stoked on the fart rich idea and she was trying to incorporate shelter into rest. And I, I usually incorporate shelter into rest, but because she brought that up, I made a specific note about that. So rest is going to be anything that you're going to do to either chill or sleep and make that experience good. So let's start with a sleeping system and I'm going to roll out a video in a few weeks that I do every year about my sleeping system and the sleeping system I use with Shelby because whether I'm solo or with her, we use the same system. Basically it's, um, a Dolomite one duo North faces Dolomite one duo bag, meaning it's a two person bag. And then we use the climate double V insulated pad. And I like this pad because it compacts, it packs down really small and we both think it's super comfortable and it's insulated. So it's that much warmer. And then we wrap that in the V sheet, which is basically like a sheet for camping that goes over this pad. And then we put this V sheet and the pad inside the sleeping bag. Okay. And then we zip up the sleeping bag. And then now we each have our own rumple, um, Sherpas in there. And that alone is extremely warm. I tend to just sleep in my boxers and that's how I know if I have to sleep in like, um, sweats or pants or thermals, that's when you know it's getting cold. That's only really happened like a couple times because that setup is extremely warm when we use that. Um, so you want to have some kind of sleeping system. I say system because it's a sleeping bag plus a pad, especially if we're talking about winter camping. The pad is not only for comfort, but it's also going to keep you warm. And then if you can put something under the tent, like a footprint or under where you're sleeping, one of the big videos I had was Reflectix. I don't know if anybody, um, or if anybody doesn't know about Reflectix, it's basically this, it looks like aluminum, a padded aluminum foil. You can get it at Lowe's, you can get it at Home Depot. It's for insulating anything really, but a lot of people use it for like van life. I actually ended up buying a big old roll of it. And then on our old tent, I lined, I cut out perfectly the size of the floor, put that on the floor, and then we put all of our other stuff on top of that. And that was, talk about a game changer when it comes to camping and being warm. That was a game changer. Insulating your whole, your entire tent floor from the ground was worked wonders. And I rocked that setup for a super long time until we got the Snow Peak um, partnership and we got the Snow Peak Alpha Breeze. The Alpha Breeze, they also sent me basically this pad that goes on the entire bottom of the tent which is the same thing as a Reflectix, just a little bit more fancy and expensive, but Reflectix worked like a charm. You want to definitely insulate the bottom of that. And so this is kind of, so this is kind of growing into a shelter. Like if you want to do a tent or if you're sleeping in your car, these concepts are still going to be the same thing. How do you picture yourself sleeping when you're camping? Some people car camp. And if you do that, even Reflectix on the windows will insulate you from the heat. If you're going to do a hammock, you want to insulate from underneath your hammock too. You don't want to just have like your back on the hammock because you're going to get super cold. If you're doing a cot, same thing. Think about how you're going to camp and what's going to make you comfortable. This is also going to include things like pillows, um, earplugs even. If you have some that snores like on that daddy's trip we went on. Oh, it was a symphony of snoring. So some of the homies will fall asleep like right away and be like, 
And then we were just like, bro, we are never going to get to sleep. We had to fall asleep like in between the snores. <laughs> Tron knows what I'm talking about. He was there <coughs> snoring but snoring. But apparently we were all snoring. At one point in time, everybody snored. So I just started bringing earplugs. I added earplugs to my to my rollout to help with that. Um, rest is also going to include, like I said, things like hammocks. Chilling in hammocks if you're in a place that allows hammocks. Also chairs. Chairs is a big thing. Others uh, like pads just to lay on. Anything that you're gonna do to rest. Um, that could even mean like, um, I camped with someone one time that brought a white noise machine. You know, if that's gonna help you have a good night rest out in nature, by all means bring it. Because you wanna have a good time. You wanna be well rested. Because the worst thing is waking up the next morning at camp and feeling like crap because you slept like crap, because you were too cold, or because you were uncomfortable, because you didn't have a sleeping pad, um, because you were up all night, because you could hear, I don't know, some campsites are close to traffic, you know, something, that's gonna make your entire day not fun. So that's what I include in rest. Um, like I said, that includes chairs. I feel like I've camped a lot and forgotten chairs. You can always sit on a cooler or something, but chairs, for sure, is gonna be make that thing that list of rest, like I said, along with like hammocks and a shelter. Now, shelter could also be like an awning, you know, um, that you're gonna rest under or sit under. It doesn't have to be attached to your vehicle. You can get a cheap pop up one from Costco, or I think even like Food for Less around here has them for pretty cheap sometimes. But including something like that, things where you're gonna chill. When you think about chilling at camp, make it like I said. Again, go through this exercise of making it really mindful and think of what's gonna make you comfortable. You know, what kind of chair? Get a cheap chair at first, see if you like it, and then explore out from there. Like again, camping is such a subjective experience that eventually you're going to find something that works for you. One of my goals with this channel, this podcast, is to show you what I've used and what doesn't work for me, but I'll also tell you this might work for you because of you know X, Y, and Z. Um, so yeah. That's rest. Basically, the big things are, you know, sleeping system, shelter, chairs. Um, things are going to help you relax when you're out there. The next category is a huge category, and I can go a lot of different places with this, and it's going to look different to everybody, but is the T in fart stands for tools. Now, tools are going to be, I consider things like axes, hatchets, lighters, paracord, um, a small toolkit with like some basic tools, like <clears throat> maybe a couple like Allen wrenches, uh, a small socket kit, which I still need to get actually, but also like, um, like I said, screwdrivers, a flathead, an Allen key set. Not only is it good for like camp around camp, but also if you, if you're starting to get to like a one Oh two dispersed camping trail stuff, you want some stuff. So if you're car, if you have car problems, you're going to have some basic tools to be able to fix that. And we'll get into those kind of things in another episode. But I also consider flashlights tools, you know, things you're going to need around camp. But I think honestly, if you get just like a Leatherman, like I carry a Leatherman wave plus 90% of the time I'm using something from that, whether it's a little pry bar that actually has a can opener, an old school can opener that has saved our butts before. Um, like an open cans with, uh, I use a screwdriver for that all the time, the flathead for that all the time. That also has a knife on it. Like I said, a pry bar to get stuff open in a pinch that actually has pliers. And I've actually pulled out splinters with those pliers. And even though I have like a actual splinter plier kit now, but I think at least at the very least carry a Leatherman, um, or some kind of multi-tool again in 101, that's going to cover the majority of your bases. 
once we get into like one or two dispersed camping, we'll get a little bit more deeper into some of the more specialty tools or tools that you want to have on you when you're out there and you can't just like go to a ranger and ask them if they have stuff or camp host and ask if they have something. Um, but tools is going to be uh, a pretty big one on there. Um, and so that's fart that covers fart. So fart was just quick recap is food, ambiance, rest, and tools. Um, now let's go into rich in the fart rich, which is, again, a category that I find I use often that is kind of a weird category, but the second R stands for renewables. So renewables are gonna th be things like ice, firewood, propane, or gas to cook with. So it also overlaps into food category and kind of tools, but these are things that I deplete and that every trip I need to like re up on them or, you know, charge batteries, especially having the Jackery or I have a couple just portable power banks. I try to, whenever I leave for a camp trip, I try to have everything full charged. So actually one of those little setups that I have right behind me, as you can see, I made this little like camping corner. What I just bought is like a little USB hub so that I, and I have some lights charging on there right now. I can come back from a camping trip one of my bags that I have is a renewables bag for all my electronics that I put in there. So I can take that out of the car, come here, charge everything, throw them back in, and then that bag goes back into the camp setup. So you wanna have things ready to go. And like I said, that means ice too. You know, you wanna, you're gonna wanna have new ice. You're gonna wanna make sure either you're taking a giant propane tank or you're taking the one, uh, the one pounds. You're gonna wanna make sure you have enough gas to cook with. Um, that's also gonna be things like drinking water, and water to like wash your hands. Um, like I said, this is gonna be more for people that are camping at campsites that probably have potable water, <clears throat> but some of these uh, categories and gear in these categories get more important as you start going out to disperse camp, first come first serve campsites, because even first come first serve campsites, sometimes they have water spigots, but they're not on. So this gets more important to there. Like I said, this is 101. So this is more established campground kind of camping. And we'll get into the other stuff a little later. <clears throat> and he has it also batteries, not only just regular batteries, but batteries that like battery batteries, not rechargeable batteries. Always keep a few extra, especially if it's going to fit your light or, you know, your, your Bluetooth or your beacon. If you have, like I have a satellite messenger, if it takes batteries, either have them charged or bring some extra batteries. Um, those are renewables and I'm sure you might also think of some other stuff too. Let me know if you think of them, but that's the things that I usually take that I consider renewables. And like I said, firewood, firewood, you're going to burn out there if they allow fires. And then, so every trip you're going to need more firewood. So I consider that renewables pretty straightforward. Um, the next section is a really important one, which comes in from, you know, keep yourself informed. This is information, information again, it's going to be broad and it's going to depend on trip, group size, and destination. <clears throat> but information is going to be things like your permits, knowing the area before you go camping. Are there fire bans there? Do you need to pay to camp there? Do you have to have a fire permit to have a fire there? Or do you not because it's a private campground? This is going to include things like maps, not only how to get there, like if, if you're going to, even if you're going to an established campground, if there's no service there, you need to know if there's service, that's part of information one, and if there's no service, you wanna download the maps so that when you get there, you have maps available, whether they're trails or for cars, either one of those things, you're gonna want maps 
a hundred percent, especially if you plan on going on hikes and stuff, but they're always good to have. You're going to want to know the rules and regulations of that campsite. Some campsites don't allow you to have hammocks because they don't want you tying things to trees because they're trying to conserve the trees. So you want to know those things because a lot of times there is fines if you break the rules and regulations. Um, information also includes sharing with your loved ones where you're going, giving them the information about where you're going to be, when you're going to get there, and when they should expect you to be back or they should expect to hear from you if you're going to check in. So like I said, it's always good practice. These are practices you want to start, even if you're going to a campground with service, with a camp host, with other campers on the, tr on not, not off the beaten path, like on the path, you know, that you drive into, you want to develop these safety measures so that when you do start going out, it's part of your camping routine. Tell people where you're at, where you're going and when they should hear back from you. And also make sure to text them when you say you're going to text them. So information includes sharing information with those, your loved ones or someone that's gonna, you know, be able to check in on you. Um, I always like to know where hospitals are too, especially if you're going on a trip that's far away, you know, if there's ever an emergency, you wanna know hospitals. Even better if you have numbers for those hospitals, emergency numbers, having the ranger or camp host, you know, share those with you. Um, and also, too, writing down some important phone numbers that you need, not just having them on your phone, because as we know from the previous podcast, my phone broke, and if I wasn't able to access those numbers, I would have been screwed. Luckily, the phone worked, but that was a lesson that I have now. Either memorize or write some down. And also, too, tell other people in your camp party about those numbers and where they are, because on the very chance, knock on wood, nothing happens, but something happens to you, someone else will be able to access those numbers. That's also something I started doing when we're dispersed camping too with the Zolio, is I'll show at least a couple people at camp how to get on my phone and use the Zolio in case something happens to me, or let's say I'm out hiking somewhere and then something happens at camp and they need to use the Zolio, somebody can use the Zolio if I'm not able to use it for any reason, that's always a good idea to show, have at least a couple people out there um, that can also do it for you. Now, if you're solo, you know, you can only prepare so much, but odds are if you're a first time camper, you're gonna have a couple people with you at least for that very purpose, you know. Also helps you feel a little bit more safe. Um, also no fees, any fee areas too. Not only just paying reservations, but sometimes if you have an extra vehicle there, um, a lot of campsites come with two vehicles, but sometimes they charge for an exit vehicle. It's good to know those kind of things. Knowing what amenities are at your campground, sometimes campgrounds do have water, but maybe their water's off, or they do have bathrooms that flush, but maybe they're off. Always a great idea to call the ranger station or the camp host or the campground, I would say at least a day or two, at least before you head out there. Ask for current conditions, and if you, you should be aware of anything like water off, toilets off, you know, <clears throat> some types some types of wood you can't bring to some campgrounds, even locally, you know. One of the things is buy it where you burn it, meaning if you're bringing wood, bring it from, you know, an area that's within the same city or county. But for example, at Palomar Mountain here right now, I guess they're having a big problem with oak beetles, I think it is. So you're not allowed to bring oak right now to the, to the campground there. And I wouldn't have known that unless I, you know, if I didn't follow them on Instagram, I wouldn't know that. But if you call there, I'm pretty sure that's one of the first things that they'll tell you. Yes, you can look at the websites, but what I realized is because a lot of our public campgrounds are government, 
that crap is like never updated. <laughs> so I would give them a call and leave a message and see if they don't answer and see if they get back to you. That's going to help a lot. So that's information um, that covers quite a bit. But like I said, there's always more. You can never have enough information. You can, you know, you can even, you know, look at like what kind of wildlife is there. If you're camping in bear country, then that's a whole nother envelope of information <clears throat> that you need to open up and look at bear safety. We can go into that in another camp, in another episode, in another campground, um, how to properly store your food when you're in bear country, even like some campgrounds that aren't in bear country. I've heard some campgrounds are like infested with like raccoons that'll get into all of your shit, whether it's like chapstick in a bag or actual food or water. Sometimes there's bees at campgrounds. So any little water source they flood to. The more research you can do about that kind of stuff, the better prepared that you're going to be. The last thing you want to do is not properly secure your food or something and wake up in the morning and your shit is just everywhere and all the other campers are like, that person doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> and then you don't have any food too, but you want to look at those kind of things. That's going to be information, stuff that you can get before you start, before you even get to your trip. It's in kind of like the planning process. Um, so yeah, next is clothing. Um, clothing, which sounds pretty straightforward, but it's not necessarily, um, I know this because on this last trip, one of the homies came out, he had a ton of stuff, meaning like clothes, but he wasn't warm because a lot of the stuff you use in our regular everyday life won't necessarily work for camping, but that's something that a lot of journey that a lot of people go on alone meaning that a lot of times too a lot of camp clothing can get really expensive but i'll give you a couple tips for right now for beginners that's going to help you out a little bit first and foremost i'm talking about if you're camping in temperate weather and maybe getting cold um one of the sayings is cotton kills because when cotton's wet not only does it not dry and it's heavy, but it also it's also cold. If wet a wet cotton t-shirt will be cold, whereas a lot of people opt for a wool option or merino wool or synthetic wool, and those materials are going to be able to get wet and still hold heat in, so that you're going to be able to stay warm. Like I said, that's a little bit more 102 advanced stuff, but if you're camping and you're new and you're just getting out there and you don't know if you want to invest in all this gear. Get a pair of like thermals or, you know, some merino wool. You can find them on Amazon, cheaper ones. Uh, thermals, that's either like a thermal, like, you know, the old school ones that you step into or like pants in like a long sleeve layer up top, especially if, you, like I said, we're gearing this towards cold weather camping and you want a layer. So basically putting that as your base layer, meaning the layer that's closest to your body. And then after that, you know, throw on some sweats, and if it fits on there, you, know, you can throw on, you know, some jeans or some outdoor pants. Um, same thing with the top. After you put on your base layer, you can have a mid layer, which is basically like um, a long sleeve shirt. Also, merino wool, too, if you can. Like I said, if you can't, it's not going to be the end of the world. Like I said, if you're new at camp, new to camping, you're probably not going to be going out there when it's freezing. But Layering is going to be something that's going to be a learning curve for a lot of people, especially if you're not willing to spend the money at first. But like I said, everybody has different comfort levels. So like I said, most of the time, like 
my my top gets cold, but I can just go out with like you know some some Orvis pants or like some jeans even, and I'll be fine because my legs don't get cold. Where Shelby's the opposite. I got her some like um, down pants that are like puffer pants that can, she puts on and she's super warm. But you want to have layers because you can always take layers off when it's cold and you can always put more on. Kind of the same philosophy when it comes like your sleeping bag. Like that's why when I was explaining our sleeping bag setup, we have layers. Not only does our bag have two layers, but we also have the rumples in there. And if we get too hot, we can take them off. You also want stuff that's breathable too. A lot of times, like if you put like a, they call it like a shell, your outermost layer. If that's not breathable, you could get too hot potentially and you could start sweating in there. And then if you don't have merino wool in your cotton, you're going to get super cold because once, like I said, once cotton gets cold, gets wet, it's it's cold, especially if it's cold outside. Um, so while clothing sounds pretty straightforward, and I feel like on the last, in the video I did, I made it seem like a straightforward, it's, there's a lot more nuanced and a lot of it's going to, depend on your comfort levels. Like I said, again, in a one or two episode, if you guys want to hear more about like what I use, we can go into that, but it's pretty simple as far as what I use. I don't use any like super expensive stuff. I like to go more with the budget stuff. Luckily I've had a couple Columbia partnerships and they've hooked me up with some really nice stuff, but we can go into that in a little bit more in a later episode in one Oh two, get into more of the science of, of, of layering. Cause I know it can get very technical. And like I said, I don't have all the ultralight stuff, I have some Carhartt base layers and then, you know, random assortment of jackets and mid layers and stuff like that. We can get into that in a different episode. <laughs> um, so H, so we're at, the, we're at the last one here. I don't even know how long we're going. We're about a 53 minutes in and we're on H, which is hygiene slash health, the final category. And in this, I, I consider this an important category as well. But again, just like every category, it's really going to depend on your comfort level and how, you know, comfortable you are getting dirty outside, you know, because <laughs> like on this five day trip, some people don't shower at all. Some backpackers don't shower for weeks on end. Some people do like, you know, wipe baths where you're taking baby wipes and taking those kind of showers. But so in hygiene, let's go into it real quick. So come the things I have written down. First and foremost, you know me, the poop setup, the epic poo view, the bucket setup. Um, I have a couple videos on that. We can go into it. I bring the bucket setup even when I'm going to campgrounds that have flush bathrooms because sometimes those bathrooms can get really bad. I would always rather use my own and deal with my own germs than other people's germs. And this actually really happened during COVID when I was out camping. <clears throat> even though there was no one out there, the world just felt super scary. So I was like, I'd rather, you know, deal with my germs than somebody else's germs. So I always bring the poop bucket and the poop setup, but also too, like you want to bring wipes and toilet paper, even if there are flush bathrooms there. Cause a lot of times at flush bathroom campsites, they're also crowded campgrounds and toilet paper can go like that. So always bring your own. If you want to use some wipes for either, you know, wiping after the bathroom or shower, wipe shower, use some of those. Bring like your toothbrush, you know, sunscreen, um, first aid kit is a big thing. I just partnered with REI and I always bring like at least a small first aid kit, enough for your, your group size, for the amount of days you're going to be out there. You can piece one together too, you know, look up a first aid kit and what it has in it. And you can probably piece it together from home, from your medicine cabinet, you know, some aspirin, Tylenol, some gauze, uh, a couple of band-aids, you know, pair of tweezers, things like that, that are going to help you 
keep it safe out there. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, let's see hygiene, other stuff, you know, facial wipes too. I just got some, I just got some like wipes that are specifically for your face that from REI that's on that partnership. And I freaking love them. I didn't realize even if you can't take a full shower, just like washing your face at camp is amazing. And so for example, one of the things that I do that's also amazing is I have that easy sink that you can wash your hands with. And like everybody loves that because after a few days at camp, washing your hands with like actual soap in clean water can make you feel like a new person, <laughs> let alone being able to just like wash your face in the morning. Um, while that's not a heated shower, you can boil water and throw it in there. Or during the summer, literally when it's super hot and we're camping, I always bring a pair of board shorts and I'll just take, I'll just hook up that easy sink to a tree and just take a quick rinse shower with that cold water and I'll feel completely refreshed afterwards. It's, it's amazing. Um, but again, again, you don't have to do that. That's a luxury that I like to carry with me, but you can always just shower when you get home. <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's totally up to you. And like I said, a lot of these categories, it's totally up to the camper, totally up to your comfort level or the comfort level of the people in your camp group. Um, so yeah, that wraps up fart rich. And I can't believe I talked about fart rich for an entire hour. Like I said, these are all the things that I use and that I think about all the time. Um, you might have different ideas. Feel free to drop some ideas on any platform that this video comes to on here. Cause like I said, and I keep repeating camping is so cool because everybody does it differently. My goal is to show you guys the most amount of ways so that you can spend less time digging through information and more time getting out there and actually having fun. I'm going to have a couple people that have hiked a lot. So on a epi future episode, we can go more into the long distance hiking um, setups because those are completely different, but it covers kind of the same categories. I'll bring those up and we can see some of the ultralight stuff. But yeah, that concludes this episode. Um, I'm probably gonna try to have a guest on the next episode, but these have been extremely fun to make. When I'm not making them, I'm thinking about all the ideas of how to get stuff done, how to get stuff out. Like I said, hopefully I can have some more people and more guests on here. A lot of people are gonna be the homies, but since the first couple episodes, a bunch of people have reached out that either wanna be on the podcast, wanna help with it, or just are just super down and supporting it. So I appreciate everyone and everybody's support and suggestions and information. It's been nothing but super fun and super positive vibes. Um, so until next time, remember to keep it safe, keep it clean, and keep yourself informed. Again, I figured out, subscribe to the podcast. I figured it out because a subscription helps us go a long way. Tell your friends and give it a share. All right, everyone, we will see you next time. Also, this little podcast Zoom thing, I can do the mix it live. All right, everyone. Appreciate you. Later.